This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I want to jump into week two of At the Core, and the theme today is literally the theme of our vision. It's the theme of our church. It's been the theme of our church for 11 years and one week, and it's live love. And my heart and my prayer this morning is that I would inspire you, that I would challenge you, that I would uh, cause you to see the very needs and the opportunities that are all around you every single day. I shared a number of years ago just a simple message about the significance of what Jesus did on the earth. And if there's one thing that stands out to me personally is that Jesus noticed people. He just does. Whether it was on the road to Emmaus, whether it was, uh, you know, walking with his disciples and seeing a man up in a tree, it doesn't matter. There was an opportunity uh, for Jesus to notice people, and that's what he did. Live like Jesus, love like Jesus, or as we call it, hashtag live love, is the theme and the purpose and the mission and the strategy and the values and everything about this church. That's who we are. So I want to define it for you today, just very, very quickly. To live love means that we motivate people to live lives full of Jesus. That's why we did the first message last week, that Jesus would be the center of your life and that you would live lives full of Jesus Christ. But it also means that we want to impact our sphere of influence with the love of God. And I want to say, just to give context to this, because there's so much confusion about God is love, God is love, God is love. The context I want to give is that nowhere in Scripture does it say that love is God. It says God is love. But God is also holy. God is also just. God is also truth. God is also eternal. Right? So it goes all the way around. But we want to impact our sphere of influence with the authentic, genuine love of God. And our hope and our prayer is to live intentionally, to love compassionately, and to make every single moment count in our lives. That's the goal of this church. So I want you to say after me, live like Jesus, love like Jesus, live love. That's the heart of this church, and that's what we're all about. It is the why behind every what. It is the evaluation tool that we use to determine what we're doing, why we're not doing something, why we should do something, why something needs to change, adjust. It is the question we ask. Why? Because this is the focal point. It's all about Jesus. I love Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians. But in the Message Bible, there's a verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, that absolutely wrecked me a number of years ago. And I want to share it with you guys again this morning. Um, It's so good. It says this. Keep company with him. Who's him? Jesus. And learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. I want you to think about that statement for a second. How did Christ love you? Did he see you in your mess and say, I couldn't be bothered wasting my time with that person? Nope. When he saw someone who ignored him and, and, and ridiculed him. He actually loved them even more. Well, that messes with your theology, doesn't it? 
goes, Christ, observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. I did a, um, a lecture in one of our interns' PBC courses on leadership, and I talked about the significance of sacrificial love. Sacrificial love being the, the core, the fundamental foundation of every godly leader. It's about giving up ourselves for somebody else. That is the love of Jesus. So, I don't know about you, there's a lot of different ways that you can live your life. How many know of different people that live their lives differently than you do? How many wish that they could go to the school of your own classrooms and, and you could explain to them how to live life better? How many wrote a book specifically for the person that you want to talk to? How many started a blog? Right? Okay. There are some different ways that we can live life. And I'm going to contrast some different ways. And I, I, I'm not looking for a show of hands when I mention one like, oh, yeah, that's me, Pastor Cam. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm the negative one. woo Yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, but I want you to do is I want you to take it in, and I want you to look at it, and I want you to listen to what I'm saying when I describe these different ways that we can live life. The first kind of group of examples is what I call living life with limitations. And I want to start this list by saying the very first thing that is most important. The only one that places limitations on you is you. The enemy loves to hold you back, but when God looks at you, God does not put limitations on you because he's walking step by step with you. So if nothing's impossible for God and you're walking in alignment with him, then nothing's impossible for you. But there's Living life with limitations, the first group of people is like this. So I call them live hard-hearted. They could be un unsympathetic. They could be cold. They could be insensitive, unkind, heartless, unfeeling. The second group is what I call live indifferent. They're apathetic. They're complacent. They don't care. They're insensitive. They doesn't, nothing really matters to them. They're unconcerned about things. They dislike things. The third group is what I call living isolated. I can honestly say in my what am I at now, 40, well, 39 years of what I call being a Christian and understanding that, this is the number one tool of the enemy right now, I believe, with all my heart, so that Christians would live isolated because doing life alone seems to work for certain people, not being involved, uncommitted, on the outside, but the problem with that is when you look at every single example of who wolves go after, they go after sheep on the outside. They'll never get close to the sheep on the inside because they know that the shepherd's there with their staff. They won't do it. And so I want to encourage you, don't live life hard-hearted, don't live indifferent, don't live isolated. But the fourth one is this, don't live in self-pity. Don't live with a martyr complex, okay? Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't look for sympathy. Don't live in rejection. God wants to heal you of that. He wants to give you a different perspective in this day. The fifth one is this, don't live negative. It could be in your attitude or your feelings or assumptions or opinions about everyone else. Can I say today um, that in, with everything that's going on in the media and with everything that's going on in culture, it's very easy to be negative. I just heard two more examples of something yesterday where there's 
Christians running for a political party in the federal election that posted material that's very biblical on their Twitter account and are getting lambasted and want everyone to basically cause them to sit down. And I look at that and I go, okay, I'm not going to be honest with you. As soon as I read it, now there's some people that do things very foolishly and I don't recommend some of the foolishness of what people do on some of their social media accounts. But you don't want to know what I felt as soon as I've been reading some of this stuff this week? I felt angry. Is that okay to be honest? I was angry. I was frustrated. And I'm like, how dare this world think that just because we disagree with a thought that we're a bigot, we're homophobic, we're all the other phobics that goes down the list, we're not. Drives me crazy. But here's what's happening. And I want you to see this. And I had a little moment this week where God kind of went, Okay, Cameron, guard your heart. Proverbs 4, because out of it springs all of life. Okay, here's my two cents that I kind of had as a takeaway this week. Hope it encourages you because I can be honest with you and say I struggled with number five this week. God looked at me and he went, does it surprise you that people who don't know me do things that aren't in alignment with me? I went, whoa, that is like just mind-blowing. And then I realized, you know what the problem is? The moment the church is negative, we actually tell the very people without Christ what they shouldn't come to, what they shouldn't commit to, what they shouldn't seek after. So here's what we need to do. We need to be light. We need to be light in darkness. All right, so what I want to do is I want to just contrast those five thoughts of living a life with limitations, and I want to talk about living life the Jesus way. And I love this. John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, the Amplified Bible says this. I am the door. Anyone who enters in through me will be saved and will live. He will come in and he will go out freely and will find pasture. The thief comes only, uh, only in order to steal and to kill and to destroy, and I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. How many want the overflow? <laughs> I do. So when you're living the Jesus life, you're going to live with a, some different values. First one is this. You live possibility. You live with expectation. Not of something going wrong, but of something potentially going awesome. That this could be a life-altering moment for that person you're about to talk to. You live life anticipating. Why? Because you know that with, all, with God, all things are possible. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said as a response to his followers and to those that were around him in that moment, he says, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Not only do we want to live possibility, but we want to live full. I love that verse in John 10, 10. It says that we would life, live life to the full till it overflows. Not just full of dreams, not just full of vision, but full of Christ-like character so that we can be a shining example of the heart of God for every single person that we come in contact with. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. I don't know about you, um, but in our culture today, it's very, very difficult to live full of Jesus when you're around a lot of other people. Can we be honest today? 
Like sometimes we're, we're not, it's like we can't say that because that's, you know, we're supposed to just have all the perfect answers and we're supposed to act perfect and we're supposed to be just like holier than thou little Christians. Can I be honest with you this morning? There's some days where I don't feel like it. There are Sundays where I wake up in the morning and I'm like, Jesus, yeah. You know, I'm not a big end times guy, Lord. I'm not a guy that's going to do a series over 21 weeks on the book of Revelation anytime soon. But Lord, if you wanted to rapture us out of here now, I wouldn't complain. Just saying. Lord, I just asked that you'd have me on the first load. Like the first load that's taken off the earth, I want to be on that train going off the earth before anybody else because I'm special. <laughs> and Lord, I just really feel like the need to lead by example as I float up to heaven and be in the first two people up there, Lord. Stephen Furtick can go first, Lord, because he's a really cool guy and I can't wear skinny jeans like him, but that's okay, Lord. And then the problem with that thought kind of goes like this. Um, Cameron, yeah, God. There's only one reason why you're still there. For the Leafs to win the cup. Lord, yes! That's exactly why I'm still here, Lord. No! I know. We do not have that much time. Lord, there's forgiveness for Nathan. Lord, there's forgiveness. But here's the revelation that I had. It's a simple revelation. There's only one reason we're here. And it's because we are here to get as many people on that train to heaven as possible before we go. So it changes the attitude a little bit. And it makes us go, okay, Lord, I'm going to live full no matter what. I'm going to live possibility no matter what. I'm going to live with expectation no matter what. And number three is we're going to live strong. We're going to live strong in God, strong in the grace of God, strong in his purpose, strong in the things that he has for us. Okay, 2 Timothy 2.1 says, You therefore, my son, this is Paul talking to his spiritual son Timothy, he says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's what he wants us to do. Fourth one is this, he wants us to live purpose. Do you know today that your primary purpose for why you're here is to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, and to let everyone else know around you how to live like Jesus and love like Jesus so that they can what? Live like Jesus and love like Jesus so that what? They can reach someone else to live like Jesus and love like Jesus. And it just keeps going down the line. That's what he wants. And ultimately, he wants us to live love. I love Romans 13.8. It says, Oh, no, a nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. All right, I want to I read a story in Scripture, and I'm going to just make a couple of key observations about this story, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're all going to go, and half the church is going to go for that Impact Kids meeting, right, at around 11.30, wherever Carla went. She, she, she's given me permission to say whatever I want, which is awesome. Luke chapter 10. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Many of you have been around church for a length of time will have heard this story. 
Um, if you've never heard this story, it is one of my faves. There's so many good things in here. But starting at verse 29, it says this, but he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So the big question from Jesus was, well, who's, who's your neighbor? Who are you supposed to take care of? Who are you supposed to look after? And then Jesus answered and said, a certain man. Notice he never answers, this, he never answers straight up. He never answers the question. He answers the question with a story. I'm like, that is brilliant. I wish I could do that. I, I can't very well. But hey, it's all good. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds and pouring oil and wine and he set him in his own animal, or on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. There's a couple of really simple but key principles that are hidden within this story that I want to just inspire us with this morning, because I honestly believe that this church, um, let me say it to you like this, there are a number of people and organizations and agencies and some pretty significant people in this church or in this city that know Impact Church. You are known. And what excites me is the things that they say about Impact Church. You know what they say? That's a church that cares. When you're, in, when you're struggling, call them. They can help. You know what the most touching, tear-jerking moments that I've ever had is when I answer the phone, and it starts with, I've been referred by so-and-so or such-and-such such an organization because we heard that as a church you guys help people. And it's like, how do you respond to that without crying? I, I, like I hear it, I'm like, oh, wow. We are known as the church that helps. That's a pretty good reputation. I like it. And it's because I believe we do these things consistently, what I'm about to share. But I do feel like there's a next level for us, too. So the first thing is this. Live love doesn't pass by the need. Two people pass by the need. People who pass by are people who could help but chose not to. And there's a variety of reasons why people do that. I'm not here to say all the, you know, give you a list of reasons why people don't help. But people who pass by are people that notice the need and don't do anything about it. They are also people who see compassion based on the worth of the individual or what they can get out of it rather than the need of the individual themselves. Right? Okay, that's not us. That's good. Second thought is this. Live love starts with you, the most unlikely person. How many have ever thought, and I don't need a show of hands, but how many have ever thought for one moment or one second of your life that I don't know what the purpose or plan of God is for my life, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know what God wants me to do? I know I've thought that. 
I've had times in my life where I've thought that a lot. And what God is simply asking us to do is have the courage to be the unlikely person. The Samaritan, in general, was hated by the Jews and was hated by the Gentiles because they were a mixed race and no one liked them. But interestingly enough, the two people that should have helped didn't. The one that, in a sense, didn't have to help did. But it starts with an unlikely person. You know, I love what, what Bree is doing, and I know what Scott Carling started up at uh, Sydenham, is sometimes there's a moment where you don't have to have all the answers, and there's an opportunity being presented to you, and the response is, well, you can go one of two ways. You can hold a prayer meeting that's 24 hours long, call every intercessor in the entire world, and ask them to pray for 24 straight hours so that God writes on a wall and tells you what you should do. Or... The second group of people go like this. Well, God already told us what to do 2,000 years ago. I don't think I have to ask him. He already is kind of for it. So how about we do it? People in the first camp got past the 24-hour prayer meeting, and now they're writing songs about how they can help. Oh, Lord, if we just went to Sydney High School, everything would be awesome. That's so great, Lord. Woo, yay. Okay, guys, let's write a poem about it now. While those people have already been to Sydenham, they've been to Rita Heights, they're on to the third school. Don't ever think that because you can't do this, 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 or this, that God can't use you. Don't ever think because I'm not as bubbly as Bree that there's just no way I can get in there and build relationships. Don't ever think, well, because I'm not as confident as Sandra, then I can't do that. And if you really struggle, don't ever think, I can't tell as bad dad jokes as Cameron, therefore I can't really connect with people. Like, don't ever think that. Trust me, you can beat mine. <laughs> We're going to have a joke off soon. All right, okay. C, third one. Live love starts where people are. To help people, you have to go where they are. There was a couple about 30 years ago that I knew mom would, would remember this couple. I won't say their name, but they felt compelled by the Lord to move into this old beaten down hotel in the downtown core of Oshawa called the Janosh. And if you've ever been in Oshawa and you hear about the Janosh Hotel, you don't go anywhere near there because it is literally filled with prostitutes and pimps and drug addicts and Every last thing that, you could, thing that you could ever think of, that would be a place you would never want to go to. And you know what they said? They woke up one day, they had this epiphany of God, and they basically woke up and they said, well, someone's got to go. Because they're not coming to our churches. They're not showing up. They're not beating down the doors of our churches. They're not. So at some point, we got to go, well... Maybe we got to go to them. And that's exactly what they said. And they went in there. They were in there for over 15 years. Do you want to know how many people are serving Christ today because of that couple? I've lost count. We lost count 25 years ago. Because there was people showing up at our church, which is a very upper class, middle to upper class church in the very nice area of the city. And we started to see all these people show up. 
And we went, wow, why? Because they went where they were. We've got to go where they are. Forethought is this, live love starts with seeing and being moved by the need. Hmm. I love Matthew 9, 36, it says this, but when he saw, Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Fifth thing is this, live love starts with doing something about what you see. Pretty simple. He bandaged his wounds. Verse 34, he bandaged his wounds. He was pouring oil and wine, and he set him in his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The Samaritan took time, took his own money, took his own efforts, did whatever was possible to make sure that that man was okay. Took him to an inn, covered the costs, whatever the cost would be, and covered the costs. This is the live love life. Jesus himself actually described to us the live love life in his very first sermon, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, where he basically talked about preaching the gospel to the poor. He talked about healing the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to the captives. He talked about recovery of sight to the blind, not just physically blind, but spiritually blind. He was talking about freeing those who were oppressed of the enemy. He was talking about proclaiming the favor of God. That is the very heartbeat of God for today, as much as it was 2,000 years ago. The sixth thought is this. To live love will cost you something. I learned many, many years ago that to live the Jesus way is inconvenient. It just is. Well, I had other plans. Yep, Jesus doesn't want you to do that right now but I wanted to go golfing. Yep, and you can do that tomorrow. This guy needs you right now. But God, yeah, I thought you said you wanted to be like me. I do, but only on Sundays. We don't think that, but sometimes we do, you know. We'll never admit it, but sometimes we do. Live love costs us something. It goes the extra mile. And the extra mile always costs. That's how it is. That couple, 30 years ago in Oshawa, gave up their home. And I want you to know, they had a nice home. I'm not saying that's what we should all do. They responded to the word of the Lord over their lives. But they gave up a nice home. And they started a ministry. And for the first time in 40 years, the opinion and the reputation of that hotel started to change. Took a long time, but they were faithful. To live love is for you. To notice people around you is for you. And if you've never been involved in a back-to-school bash, Tuesday's your first opportunity. And if you have not signed up yet, I want you to sign up before you leave this morning. Because I'm telling you right now, we are in the middle of an amazing opportunity to love that community and to let them know that Jesus loves them. And every year, we keep hearing reports. Oh, is that, is that church coming back? Are we doing that family fun fair again? Oh, we can't wait, we can't wait, we can't wait. They can't wait. They're counting down the moments. They're counting down the moments to see me do the most incredible impression of a stewardess getting people on the horse ride ever in the history of the world. 
come with your video cameras rolling because I am prepped and ready to go. I have been practicing my lines, and I've got my moves, and I'm ready. And if you've never seen me in action, it's crazy. And you know what I love is every single year I have some of the most incredible conversations as we're waiting the 10, 15 minutes for the next horse ride to come. Why? Because I want to engage the community. I want to engage that culture and say, how can we help? What you going through? How can we pray for you? You know, how can we support? How can we be a blessing to you? So here's what I want you to do. Stop what you're doing and look around. Look around. Seize the moment. I want to end with a story. It's a modern-day parable of this teaching, and I'm going to just read it to you. One day a priest went to visit the Jericho Road, and he was a very religious man, and he saw somebody who had been hurt on the Jericho Road, and he was mortified. He came and gave that person the last rites and quickly ran back to his parish as fast as he could. And the following Sunday, he gave a sterling sermon about the Jericho Road, and he felt so much better. Then there was a pastor who went down to the Jericho Road and was appalled by what he saw. It was awful there, so he came back to his church and taught a course called The Biblical Understanding and Perspective on Poverty. And they showed films of people who were being beaten up on the Jericho Road, and everybody felt rotten, but they all felt so good that they had finally done something for the people on the Jericho Road. Another person, a revivalist, didn't go to the Jericho Road, but he saw it on television. And he then gathered 65,000 people together in the Jerusalem Dome, and they sang songs about the Jericho Road, and you should have seen them with their microphones and their lights and their spotlights and, and how they sang and prayed so beautifully about the Jericho Road. Now I'm about to ready to step on some toes. Are we ready? Okay, then there was a left-wing activist. Okay, good, all right. He went to the Jericho Road, and he was incensed. He was angry by what he saw. He came back and organized demonstrations in the cities. He got all the young people out of the high schools, colleges, and graduate schools. They shut down the universities, and they marched on the Jerusalem monument of the capital city. Yes, they were very active for the people on the Jericho Road. But then there was a person on the political right, and he went down to the Jericho Road, and he saw that we had moral decay in the country. And he thought, we've got to solve this problem. We've got to raise employment and change the economy so there won't be so much violence on the Jericho Road. So what did he do? He lessened taxes for the rich so the rich could have more money to make investments so there would be more jobs for the poor. And he increased the sales tax on the poor so all people could help pay for the costs of maintaining the Jericho Road. And while the priest and the pastor and the revivalist and the left-wing activist and the right-wing moralist were all busy, the man on the Jericho Road died. Sandra and I have said for years, it cannot be said about this church that we saw a need and didn't meet it. There's nothing that breaks our hearts than having an opportunity in front of us and we can't do anything about it. But I want you to know, we have an opportunity right in front of us on Tuesday. If you cannot make it, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. If you can't come, but you want to be able to support it in different ways, just let the ushers know and put in some money towards that because the one thing that we love to see happen every, every back-to-school bash is we literally have, honey, how many do we have? 180 food packages? Did I get the number right? 180 food packages for lunches for the kids, for every family. That's where the money's going towards. But I feel like we have an opportunity right now. 
Not just through Bree, not just through the Back to School Bash, not just through Hands of Hope at Christmas, but we have an opportunity every single day of our lives to be Jesus to somebody. And the only thing I want to ask you as a church is open your eyes and look around. Who's there? Who do you need to talk to? Who do you need to pray for? Who do you need to maybe take into your home? Who do you need to be inconvenienced for? Because they're right in front of us. Whether you turn to the left or the right, they're right there. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 